I like to record everything I do because I know that technology, we've got to use technology. Um, we live in a time now where we can be connected with anybody at any place in the world with just a click of a button. I'm talking about things like Facebook Live, I'm talking about Instagram, IGTV. If you're familiar with any of these things, you know what I'm talking about. And I've realised not to underestimate that which I speak. I'll be upfront, sometimes God's people are not as appreciative as people outside who don't hear what we hear every single Sabbath. And I've seen results and I've seen people react in so much ways that when they hear the word of God, I'm like, you know what, I need to put this online. So that's what I was doing, my audio and my video over there. If you YouTube my name, Michael Danzi, um, you'll find many sermons on there, SoundCloud, many, many sermons. Share with your brothers and sisters, share it with people that you're trying to encourage to get to know about Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you, the word of God does what it's designed to do. And people are searching, people are seeking. We might not think it, we might get lackadaisical and comfortable, we come every Sabbath. We know the truth, but no, when we become uh, servants of Christ, we also become ambassadors. So I would encourage you that there's, there's ways and means. In fact, let me tell you this quick story before I begin. When I just got baptised, I was 18 years old. I didn't know much, but I knew enough. Amen? I knew Christ was my saviour. And there was a journey in growth in knowledge of the word of God. So I didn't know anything about Daniel, Revelation, the prophecies. But I was interested in these things. And I had a cousin who we grew up with. You know, we were very, very close. They stopped going to church. So guess, how, guess what we did to try and reach him through the prophecies of Daniel Revelation. We took videotapes. Remember videotapes? VHS. Some of the young people were like, VHS. Google it, right? We took VHS tapes. Um, there was a, a pastor who came over to preach. His name was Leo Shreven. Powerful, powerful presentations he did. We took his tapes, went to my cousin's house, put it in the VCR, in the videotape machine, pressed play, watched it, and then discussed it. We didn't know anything. But that began a journey and a discussion But by the grace of God today, him and his family is in church. Amen. So even if you don't know, there's always a way that God will give you to try and reach that individual that you're trying to reach. God has a million and one ways to get people's attention. So we're saying that, just a brief introduction. As the elder said, I, I have been here twice before. It was about nine, ten years ago. And um, yeah, one sister back says she remembered me. I was like, man, that must have been a good sermon, man. And that's the Holy Spirit, amen? Um, I have a wife, my children, three children. Unfortunately, they couldn't be here with us. Um, what else? I'm originally from London, and now I live in Wolverhampton. I used to live down the road, Great Bar, and we've moved up to Wolverhampton. I go to the Great Brickling Seminary Adventist Church. I was baptised in May 27th, 1999. It's not been an easy road, but I'm still here by God's grace. When I made that decision at 18, let me tell you, if I was to take off my shirt, Allegorically speaking, you'd see axes and arrows and scars, but guess what? It was all worth it for Christ's sake. And I'm not saying that loosely. Um, the Christian walk is not an easy walk, but it's a walk worth following and worth walking. I can say that with super confidence. And um, that's it really. I'm not no pastor, I'm not no evangelist. Please don't give me those titles. My name is Michael, that's it. You know, um, I go to churches now and they put me as Elder Michael. I'm like, Elder? I'm not old? And even when I get to be old, whatever old is, I don't know when you consider yourself old, please don't call me elder. You know, if I have the position, I don't mind, but I'm not an elder. I just have this image in my mind of this old, scraggly old man. Like, no, 
you know. So um, my name's just Michael, and I don't mind those titles. I suppose people give it to me because they're blessed by what I do, but I'm just a layman. On a normal Sabbath, I'll be sitting in the audience just like you, worshipping God. My only passion, if you want to give me anything, is that I love to share God's word, and that's it. I just love to share the love of God with whoever will listen. So we're saying that, I'm just going to choose to kneel down. You can just bow your heads as I offer up a word of prayer. Father in heaven, this is not something that I've earned. This is a privilege you've given to me today. So Father, according to your promise in Luke 11 verse 13, where Jesus said, if I ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll be given to me. So give me the Holy Spirit, that as he speaks through me, souls will be convicted and convinced that it's not a man who speaks, but it's Christ who speaks through me. Because, Father, I have no power to change anyone's heart. I have no power to convince anyone of what the truth is. That power lies with you. So, Father, do what you have promised to do. And that's to speak to us, to revive us, to encourage us, to answer questions that may uh, be causing us trouble. Speak and do what you're good at. And that's to save souls from sin. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. I do see that you've grown, because um, last time I came, you was in that tiny little room just down there. So praise the Lord. Activity has been going on, amen? Tiny little huddle. It was good, it was good. Nice family. You know, Bible study, Sabbath school could go on a little bit longer and stuff like that. So um, it's good that you've grown. God is working. Ephesians chapter 6 is the scripture reading I read. And this is the passage of scripture we're going to be focusing on. Ephesians chapter 6. The title of my sermon is called A Call of Duty, A Modern Warfare. A Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. And as we go through, you're going to see why I've decided to entitle this Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, we're starting in verse 11. I'm not going to go through every single uh, verse and break it down today. There's just too much to cover. But we will be focusing on the armour of God. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm reading from the authorised version. You can follow along in any version you have. Call of Duty, a modern warfare. Ephesians 6 verse 11. The Bible says this. Put on the what? The whole armour of what? And it gives us the reason. Paul is the author of the book of Ephesians. And Paul under the Holy Spirit gives us the reason why we need to put on the whole armor of God. The verse continues and says this, that ye may be able to stand against the what? The wiles of who? The devil. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities against what? Powers against what? The rulers of the darkness of which world? This world against spiritual wickedness in what? High places. The reason why I love this chapter, because I still consider myself young, and it speaks to my type of personality. My personality is someone who doesn't like, uh, I don't like pink, 
I don't like Care Bears. I've got a rough, ready kind of personality. And there's things in the Bible to reach all types of personalities. And this verse reaches my personality. And my personality, I love talking about warfare. I love talking about fighting. So imagine, oh, oh, fighting? Well, let me, let me tell you something. The Bible says God is a God of war. Look it up. God is a God of war. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, he said to Israel, you are my battle axe. That don't sound like now care bear language. Today, Christianity, perce- I'm talking about the perception of what people have in Christianity. We come to church, we sit down, we sing, we praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's all they see. That's all they see. We go to a building, we talk about things to come. Jesus coming soon. We talk about heaven. But they don't see no heaven on earth. They don't see us trying to make a heaven on earth for them. And so this is why I like Ephesians. Because it puts, it in, it puts Christianity into perspective. It reminds us that, look, you are not called to sit down once a week to sing praises to God. That's not your calling. That's something you do in response to his love for you. Did you hear what I just said? Worship is a response to what God has done for us. That's not the center of Christianity. That's just a byproduct of what we uh, do because God has been so good to us. I come to church on Sabbath as a young man because God has been good to me. No one's forcing me. No one's whooping me. I'm held my own volition. I'm held my own free will. But that's not what Christianity is about. Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God. The armor of God. The armor of God. By implication, if God has armor prepared for you and I, if God has this thing called armor, then by implication, we are in a war. Hard to think that we're in a war when it's a spiritual war, right? It's very hard. It's very hard. You wake up nine to, you, know, you wake up every morning, you go to work, you come back, you go to school. What war is he actually talking about? Well, verse 12 kind of picks up the, the, the warfare. For we wrestle not against what? But against principalities, powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the darkness of which world? This world. Let me come back to verse 11. Now I'm, asking, I'm going to ask you lot some questions and I want some feedback. Because I like to teach when I preach. Verse 11. If, okay, no, let me ask you this question. According to verse 11, according to verse 11, what can the armor of God help us do according to verse 11? The answer is in the text. Stand against what? The wiles. Has anyone got a different version of the Bible, a different translation? Has anybody got a version that's not the King James, authorized version? Is anybody? Oh, you was reading. Sorry, my brother, go on. It says, put on the full armor of the God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Schemes, good. Yes, sister, what's your one say? Schemes as well. Schemes. Alright, let's run with that. Schemes. Because the word while actually means a stratagem. Now a stratagem is similar to what a scheme. It's a plan, a devised plan. Listen now. Designed for someone's fall. It's a plan. Listen brothers and sisters. We're not just talking about a, a Satan working in some haphazard way. 
Please don't miss this, brothers and sisters. Satan and his imps and his fallen angels don't wake up and just just decide to tempt you. I'm just going to tempt you to... No! The Bible's telling us there's a plan that's gone into action. So when that temptation comes, he knows exactly why and how it's going to cause your fall. He's actually studied you and I. He's, he's, he's been maybe for months, I don't know, maybe for years. How can I cause this young man's downfall? A plan. A plan. It was by design. So every sin you and I have ever committed, it was by design, not by accident. Every trouble that's come into your life and that's caused you to fall away from God, caused you to doubt, is God really in my life right now, was by design, not by accident. Someone is on your case, watching your temperament, watching your, your thought process by your actions, because Satan can't read our minds, brothers and sisters, amen? He can't read our minds. That power lies only with God. And how do we know that, brothers and sisters? Daniel chapter 2, when the king was given a dream, King Nebuchadnezzar, he asked his magicians and Chaldeans, they were connected to some spirits, he said, look, tell me the dream, for the thing has gone from me. I can't even remember what I dreamt. And they said, well, you tell us the dream, and we'll tell you the interpretation. He said, no, no. Tell me what I dreamt, and I know that you will have the interpretation. So we know that them being connected to the spirits of darkness, if they had the ability to read anyone's mind, they would have exhibited right there and then. Does that make sense? Yeah. But they couldn't. And God was setting up and orchestrating that. So I just want to just touch on that quickly. Satan cannot read our minds. But he's a studious student of human nature. He knows exactly our temperament, our feelings. Now let me ask you this question. How serious must these wiles be, these tricks, these stratagems, these temptations of Satan? How serious must they be if we have to have something from God to withstand it? Sister said it, supernatural. The armor of God, that's not of earth. That's nothing to do with earth. Now, now watch this, straight away, our minds are not directed to anything you can do. To anything inside of you, they're directed away from you to who? To God. The armor of God. This brings humility now to the Christian walk. Oh, you think you're tough, yeah? You think you're bad, yeah? You think you can take on life by yourself? You've got another thing coming. I'm not saying that out of disrespect. I'm not saying that not being merciful. I'm saying it as a fact. Satan is a lie will make you and I believe I can take life. Life is like a left hook from Mike Tyson and the uppercut. At the same time, if you think we can take on life without God's strength, you've got another thing coming. And young people, you are the worst ones in this situation with this mindset. Yeah, now, now life is alright. Play computer games. Yeah, go to school. Yeah, life is fine. Yeah, you watch when you get older and now you have to fend for yourself. Pay your own bills. Have a job. Those stresses alone, those stresses alone make most people think twice about even living in this world. And I'm not joking. When the crash happened in 2008, there was a man who was showing some people around in the nice apartments. And without any warning, he jumped off the balcony and committed suicide. Just like that. 
On the appearances, it looked like he had a good job. On the appearances, it looked like he was making good money. And he was. But what led the man, what led, leads most people to take their life? Think that I'm not worth staying no more. Think that, you know, life is getting too hard. What if I just, yeah, man, that makes sense. What if I take my life? Brothers and sisters, suicide is a real thing. The thoughts of suicide is a real thing. Most of us might not want to admit that we've even had those thoughts through fear of being judged by others outside. But let me tell you something. There's a God in heaven who understands. There's a God in heaven who can carry that burden. But before we get to the solution, let's really unpack this. The sister said supernatural temptation. It's supernatural. It's stronger than what anything we can imagine. Michael, so are you telling me, Lord, that for me just to get by during the day, to be faithful to you, I need the power of God? Yes. You mean to be patient at work and the armour of God? Yes. You mean when I'm standing in the playground and someone brings to me music that's got cussing and swearing, B-I-T-C-H, and all types of foolishness, you mean I need the armour of God? Yes. But brothers and sisters, young people, you're not going to want the armour of God if you don't understand how serious sin is. You're not going to want no armour. So if I said to you, let me, let me ask you this question, um, brothers and sisters. How many of you, listen carefully, have not heard of drill music? Drill. Not heard of it. Don't, I need you to put up your hands. Don't, there's no embarrassment. Just put up your hands if you haven't. Right. Most haven't. Okay. Brothers and sisters, this is the number one genre in this country. Did you know? Brothers and sisters, not one young person in this room and in the UK is listening to American hip-hop and rap anymore. It's drill. UK underground. What you, I'm not going to call it gangster music, but let's just call it UK urban rap gangster music. The UK version. Never in my wildest dreams that I think, I'm 37 now, that UK rap would supersede American hip-hop, the largest genre in the world. But UK children are not listening to that no more. They're listening to drill. You have grime, and out of grime came drill. Drill is more edgy, more ruthless, more harder, because all it talks about, drill was from the, 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 the slang term from Chicago, taking a machine gun and going, brah, drill music. And hence, that's all that they talk about. Well, why am I bringing up that point? The sermon is called Call of Duty, a modern warfare. If we went to war right now, and yet your commander-in-chief said, here's the armory, and we all went into the armory, and we saw weapons from World War I, what would you think? Can't use them. We saw tanks from World War I, what would you think? You'd be like... Yo, Commander Chief, man, you're out of date. How are we going to fight our enemy today? They've got laser eyesights, they've got drones, they've got landmines, they've, they've got, like, the technology now in, in terms of what the army can do is, blows my mind. They've got robotic dogs that can go on all types of terrain. They've got exoskeleton suits that allow you to carry 10 times your body weight. Did you know that? And run for miles? Put that thing in a strap, 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 you're like Bionic Man. And imagine our commander-in-chief gave us weapons from World War I and II. You think you're mad, right? You think he's lost the plot. Why hasn't he moved on with the times? 
Brothers and sisters, our church has not moved on with the times. And I'm talking about you and I. Social media, it's neither good, it's neither bad. But there's things on social media that if you're not even aware of, you're going to give your child Instagram at 14 years old. Let me tell you this, and I'm going to tell you straight as parents. If you have a child who's under the age of 18 or 16, and you're giving social media, don't be surprised if they have problems in their life. Fact. Get them a Tesco phone. Young people are going to hate me right now. I don't care. Get them a Tesco phone for £10. Because if I showed you what was on Instagram, you'd get them a Tesco phone. Naked women. Naked men. All types of nastiness on there. And that's what they're watching. I'm telling you for a fact, I know. I can show you the profiles. Do you know you can get famous today? Do you know you can get famous today doing foolishness? So, so I'm on the back of the bus, I'm punching a guy out, not me personally, but I'm just telling you what goes on, and I'm getting famous on Instagram. I'm getting likes and respect. Why, how, do you, how on earth do you think, why, why would I continue that? If I'm getting props from everybody. I've got 10,000 followers, and my whole Instagram is about me disrespecting people. When, we, when I was younger, whatever we did stayed within our area. But the power of the internet, it spreads bad news quicker than anything we can imagine. I saw a video the other day of this young black girl, and I'm saying it for a reason, because when, and you're going to get the, the point in a minute. This young black girl, her, she was in the face of this old elderly lady, in her face screaming, and without any warning. Path! Like she did not care. And I'm standing going, never in a million years. I have friends who were bad, who, 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 who were on the street, and they, they wouldn't have done that. I'm telling you, because there was that ethic that, that you respect your elders. Not today. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And this is the thing that young people are like, <laughs> you watch this, watch this. And brothers and sisters, you're not even aware of this. If your children are in school, this is what they're watching. You talk about porn, I guarantee I don't care what age your child is at, he's seen it because there's smartphones in schools. Fact. Young young boy knows what it is. Your young daughter knows what it is. They're being sent photos of naked ladies in the classroom. Fact, parents. Fact. But we don't know. And we're praying for them. Lord, what's happening to my son? Why is he showing this interest in what I'm telling him? What is going on? His mind is being fed with stuff that you're not even aware of. That has more power than your 10 minute prayers. I don't care how you want to pray. You have to deal with the wiles of the devil. Do you understand practically what I'm talking about? The prayer is going to lead you to some wisdom and goes, what is the trap? Where's the trap in my son's life? Where is it? Why does he keep tripping up? Why does the young people have no interest in church no more? I tell you why. Grind and drill. 16-year-olds are earning six figures a month doing drill music. Filling out stadium bronzes. 16-year-olds making money. Why on earth? Why are they going to come here and sing, listen to us sing out a tune? Why? I'm going, to clo- I'm going to close with why. I'm going to tell you why. Because even though we sing out a tune 
Even though church may be boring, why did I survive from 18 till now? I'm going to close with that. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why. For we wrestle not against what? But against what? Against powers. Against the rulers of the world. The darkness of which world? Keep your fingers there, brothers and sisters. Keep your fingers there. John 8 verse 12. Keep your fingers there. There is a lot of darkness. I've spoken about a lot of darkness. That seems very, uh, what's the word? Like there's no hope. Negative. But we're going to leave you some hope. John 8 verse 12. Look at this, brothers and sisters. John 8 verse 12. The rulers of the darkness of which world? This world. The rulers of the darkness of this world. Here is the hope, brothers and sisters. Here is the hope, young people. Verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the what? I am the what? But that doesn't make any sense. We just read the rulers of the darkness of this world, but then it says Jesus is the what? The light of the world. How can he be the light of the world, but yet there be darkness at the same time? Because people have choice. People have a choice. Look what it says. The text gives us the answer. I am the light of what? He that what? Followeth me shall not walk in what? Oh my days. I'm going to start preaching now. Oh my days. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Though there is spiritual wickedness in high places. Though there are the rulers of the darkness of this world. Who are they? Who rules the darkness of this world? Who rules the unbelief? Who rules all the sin that's going on in this world? Satan and his fallen angels. But he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. That's where the power is. That's where the hope is. It's about you and I. It's about you. Who are you following today? Who has your mind? Who has your thoughts? Who have you given your heart to? Who have you invested your time to? Very simple pH test during the week, young people. What are you mostly looking at? What are you mostly talking about? That's the pH test. That's where your heart is. We know about business investments, right? Okay? The best business investment, let me give you one. If you give me £100, next month you get a grand. Who's not going to do that business investment? And it's guaranteed. And I've shown you I've done it for 2,000 people. Who would trust me? You give me 100, I give you back a grand in a month. Who would do that business investment? Yeah, why not? I, I, you know, I'm trusted and I've shown I've done it for 2,000 people. It's all legit. Who would do that? You do it every day. You've got your money in the bank. That's why you get interest. You know that, right? Right, so don't feel wrong. Right, that's a sound investment, right? We invest to get something back. Young people are going to make this simple. How are you investing? Look at what you're doing. Look at who you're with. Look at who you're talking about. Look at what you're watching. You're making an investment. You are investing time and energy into things that's only going to harm you. That's only going to separate you from Jesus. You are investing. When I play that computer game, I'm not saying computer games are sinful because there's good ones. I'm just saying in terms of time. That's what I'm saying. When I'm investing time into this, in contrast to the word. Okay, I spent five hours with this, but ten minutes with the word. 
How can I be surprised and I have no interest with God? How can I be surprised then that the Bible doesn't mean anything to me? I'm investing in that which interests me right now. Let's be real, young people. You're investing in that which interests you. But let me ask you this serious question. Haven't you ever heard that Christ died for your sins? Haven't you ever felt bad that, hold up, you don't do what's right? When bullies are bullying people, do you stand up to them? Some of you parents are thinking, Michael, please don't tell my child that. Well, I'm going to say this to you parents. If that was a fellow family member, would you want them to stand up for them? I'm bringing it home because these are the things that I faced when I was a young person. And these are the practical things that parents, we don't really understand what we want of our children when we tell them, be a Christian. I tell you what being a Christian looks like in the playground. If you really wanted me to be a Christian today, I'll, I'll be by myself in the playground. Because who's going to talk to me after I don't listen to what they're listening to? If I don't participate in their conversation? How am I going to be? Are you, so mum, you're telling me to stand by myself in the playground. Have we really considered that's what, the, what it is we're selling to our young people? I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's the reality. So what is it that is going to keep them in that? When I went to college, I was 19. And I'm not kid you not. I had the whole of the common room. The common room is where we sit down and chilled in between breaks. The whole of the common room listening to me tell them about Jesus. But guess what? When the conversation finished, where was everybody? Gone. So I didn't really have proper, real friendships in college. But because I knew my purpose, because I knew the value I was giving to them, that was greater than for that moment of feeling lonely. And let me be real, it didn't feel nice. I'm 19. I felt I was kind of cool, kind of hip, but I got no friends. Because no one wants to talk with a Christian guy too long because they're going to get converted. They don't want to have conversations too because everything I'm saying has a moral spin to it. It's a bit too deep. So literally, I only have maybe one or two friends who were really willing to talk for about an hour and two hours about things. They were my best friends because they were at that point, they could talk that long with me about serious issues. Does that make sense? He that followeth me shall not walk what? Let me close this thing up. Let me close it as we wrap up. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. So what motivates or what will motivate a young person to not just come to church but to be an asset to church? Do you hear what I say, brothers and sisters? What's going to make us be an asset to this movement, brothers and sisters? What's going to motivate us to be an asset? Look, let me say this before I read Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5 verse 8. I'm going to ask this question and follow the logic, brothers and sisters. Is Satan working for the damnation of children under the, the age of 10? What do you think? Yes? Absolutely. Of course, Absolutely transgenderism and, and gender neutrality, more young people under the age of 10 years old have had um, sex changes in the last five years has doubled and tripled and quadrupled in some practices than ever before. And we can't be uh, ignorant to think that's not due to media and education and the, just the conversation you've been having in school making them think, hmm, maybe this might be a good idea, all right? So let me ask this question. So we all agree. Satan is working for the damnation of those who are under the age of 10. Yes? Watch this then. Follow the logic. If Satan himself 
and a third of the angels are working for the damnation of your six-year-old, your seven-year-old, your eight-year-old, your nine-year-old, your ten-year-old, then what does he see in that young child that we don't see? What possibilities? I'm going to say it very slow. I'm going to shout and scream over this bit. Can't wait to get his parents. What does he see in my nine-year-old and eight-year-old that probably I don't fully realize? What does he see in their capacity that if they are committed to God, what they could do? Because he doesn't waste his time on useless material, just like God does it. He doesn't waste his time. Maybe it's because this text and many other verses in the Bible, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Power! That's power! That's power! There are young people right now, there are young children, and we have to grasp this mindset so that we can, I'm going to say something revolutionary, it might not take place overnight, I'm just going to throw it out there. We need to change our services to cater for that. Because brothers and sisters, we're losing our young people just because of the service alone. Not because we're not preaching truth. Hear me very carefully. Everything we say every single Sabbath in the general sense is true, is Bible. But the format and the way we're doing things needs to change. So that we meet their minds and their questions and their problems because they're dealing with things you and I are not dealing with. Then just not. We need to become familiar with the wiles and temptations they're going through, discuss it, reason, and spend time on it, and give them the assurance that this is family. You can say anything, and we will guide you aright. If they can't discuss things in here, they're going to discuss it with someone out there. Fact, they're going to discuss with their brethren then. If we can't discuss P-O-R-N, if we can't discuss it before marriage in a real way, but direct them to the word of God, direct them to what God has in store for their life. If we can't direct them, then where are they going to go? Someone's already teaching them already whether we like it or not. Associates, media, school. We have to be intentional as a church body, brothers and sisters. Call of duty, a modern warfare. Things have changed. The devil has upped his ante. Romans 5 verse 8. Let's wrap this up now. Romans 5 verse 8. Here is the power. Here is the motivator. Here is what convinces me, convinces young person, old person, whoever you are, whoever we are, here is the convincing factor to stand up for God. Here is the convincing factor to stay in this movement. Here is the convincing factor to give your life to Jesus. For when, verse 6, verse 6, verse, verse 6, for when we were yet without, are we there brothers and sisters? For when we were yet without, in due time, Christ did what? Died for the ungodly. Died for the ungodly. <laughs> when I was ungodly, that's when Christ chose to show his love. When, and it's interesting, he says, when we were without strength. The God in heaven is not a God that's vexed and angry because you are not doing what's right. 
He's not in heaven ready to strike you down because we're reading the Bible and it says when you were without strength, when you couldn't find the resolve, when you had no interest in who he was, he was interested in you. When you couldn't give a regard of righteousness, I couldn't give a care less about the church. I don't care for Bible study. I don't care for prayer. I ain't got the strength. I'd rather invest in other things. Jesus invested in you. Put that investment down. I'm investing not a billion, not a trillion, not a quizillion, not a Google. I'm investing my life for you. That's worth an investment. Even though I'm not getting returns. Is anybody with me? Even though I'm not getting returns. How many of you are not doing anything for the Lord? You're not doing nothing for him. God has invested in you and you're not giving nothing back. Mm. Talking to the adults now. And I'm, talk, I'm not talking about handing out leaflets. And for goodness sake, when we talk about evangelism, all we can talk about is door knocking. No, the lady at the back, sorry to put you on the spot, but it's glory to God, saw someone had a conversation he's here today. Simple. Simple. God used a sister in a conversation. Every one of us, God wants to use you in a mighty, powerful way. And you might mistake my words to think, powerful man, my, does that mean preach like you? No. Power just means when you're being used by God. And you recognize it. That's it. Simple conversation. Your family, your friends, you're there for them. This is power. This is what God is looking for. Influence. God invested in us, and yet there's no returns. How angry would you feel if I guaranteed you a return of the thousand pounds going back to my analogy and you didn't get the money back? You'd be upset. That someone said, rightly so, because I gave you my word. And yet Jesus invested his life into us, invested all the resources of heaven in a gift called Jesus Christ. Saw you sinning, saw you backsliding. You don't read your Bible, you don't pray enough. But I don't care. God don't care for that. I'm still making the investment because you're worth it. What does he see then? What does he see? What does he see in you and I? Let me tell you what he sees. That's all right. I'm recording the audio. Thank you. Probably the battery. What does he see in us? Listen carefully, brothers and sisters. He sees the possibilities of what you and I can become. He sees past our sin and our weakness. He sees past your issue. He sees past your neglect. He sees past your, your, your oh, I don't want to follow God. He sees what you can become with him. I grew up in church. Faithfully gone to church every single day. Every single Sabbath, sorry. I grew up in church. Had a sincere belief in God. But I did not know who Jesus was. I believe the commandments made sense to keep, but I did not know who Jesus was. Didn't have any kind of relation with him, but I was a sincere young man. And then it came to the point, and this is, this is what happens to so many Adventist young people, I feel so sorry for us. We sincerely believe. We know what the standard of righteousness is, the law of God, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. But no power to do it. There's no love. There's no love at all. It's all out of obligation and fear. I don't want to go to hell. 
Some of you are not going to get what I'm saying because you didn't grow up in church. But Adventists, listen carefully, young people. Out of duty, I shouldn't drink, I shouldn't smoke, I shouldn't do this. But guess where your heart really is with those things? I'm not preaching to everybody now, I'm only preaching to those that's going to make sense to. So don't get offended because this is a fact. I'm in church on Sabbath, but I want to be in the cinema. I'm in church on Sabbath and I want to be with my brethren, but I can't because it's wrong. It's wrong, shouldn't do it. That was my only motivation. Let me tell you, that person, when sin really presents itself, falls like nothing. Falls like nothing. Came to the point, college, 16, I went to a boys' school, so particular temptations weren't there at my boys' school, if you know what I mean. Only when I turned 16, the horizons were open, if you know what I mean. And mistakes were made. Fell flat on my face, but I thank God for it. You think, man, how do you thank God for falling? Yeah, because it showed me the truth. It showed me what I really was. Because young people, you, you don't even realize it, but if you grow up in church, you've got pride. You think you're okay. You don't smoke, you don't drink. So I can play with the devil and listen to drill. I, I can listen to that foolishness, disrespect humanity. I, I can listen to this. I can watch that because I don't smoke, I don't drink. I'm never going to do those things, yeah? Do you know how I many other people have heard say that? Do you know how my generation, good Adventist young people, then join gangs? How did that happen? How, you don't think that that had some, some, some influence? Associates. You don't think that happened? And when I fell flat on my face and started to do the things I was taught not to do, oh man, the shame. But I thank God for it. Because it showed me who I really was. It showed me my need. Now, it show, now the question came to my mind. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I was asking God, what does it mean to be a Christian? Not only am I falling, I'm now starting to love this thing. No, I'm, I'm not just falling no more, brothers and sisters. I got to the place where now I'm loving this sin and I'm thinking about it. I want to do it all the time. I just want this thing. But let me tell you, sin is a deceitful. It's deceitful. Because you go and do it, and when you're finished, you're still left barren as before. You're still left empty as before. You're still left, and there's a time that the Bible says, the lust of this world fadeth away. 1 John 2 verse 17. It just fades away after a while. The club don't sound like it's doing anything no more. It loses its interest. Our hearts are made for one thing and one thing alone, eternity. That's why there's nothing on this world that can satisfy you. No money, no women, no pleasure. There's nothing. And you can go and try it. And, and, and some of you are still after this sermon. You may want to try it. I'm hoping that a sermon makes you go, uh-uh, by faith, I don't need to go down that road to appreciate God. No, 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 no. I don't need to. Because you might not come back. Young people, listen to me. You might not come back. You might end up in things you regret. You might end up six feet under. There was a young boy in my class. I'm not going to mention his name. Talented artist. We used to go to art club every day. Stayed until about 5, 6 o'clock till it was dark. I spoke to another friend of mine. We met, catch up. Hey, how's so-and-so? How's so-and-so from school? How's so-and-so? And this boy's name came up. And he said to me, you didn't hear about... This is called him Robert. You didn't hear about Robert? I said, what do you mean? Life imprisonment for killing 
his girlfriend, the mother of his children. That hit me. That hit me hard. There's no way that my friend was thinking those things when we were in class. There's no way he ever thought 15 years, 20 years later, he would come to a point in a fit of rage, stab up his girlfriend. If I told you his name, you can Google it, and his face is right there on that BBC News article, and I wept. Because what it told me was this, what did God save you from? You know that text where it says, love cover from multitude of sins? I'm not saying I would have become a murderer, but the point is I don't know, and I don't want to know. I don't want to know what would I have got into if I didn't accept Christ at 18 years old. What would I have got into? Do you really think, and that's the thing, the devil, the scheme, the wiles, the plan. He's, he's not looking, oh, just go stop coming church. Just bun your weed, sorry. Just smoke your weed. You know, just, just go to the club. You think the devil just wants you to just go to, no, he wants to kill you and take you out. He's literally thinking, and brothers and sisters, please work with me. You know right now someone in your life who was, you know, like we're innocent, we're children, you know, and then you've been trying to appeal to them for years, and now they're in a worse situation than they were 10 years ago. Their life is just a mess, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. But God commendeth his love towards us. In that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. Never, ever build on another foundation than what this verse is saying. I come to church because of Christ. I want to be healthy because of Christ. I want to read because of Christ dying for my sins on the cross. I want to leave my associates behind, those who are doing no good for me, because of Jesus dying on the cross. Brothers and sisters, this is our foundation. This is what we build on. There's many other important things we could study. There's many important things we need to know about. But this is the foundation. Roman Paul calls it the power of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. While you and I were sinners, Christ died. That's what motivates you out of the darkness. That's what propels you. That's what makes you pray. And some of you have neglected prayer. Don't say it's because of time. If you really scrap, if you really boil it down, brothers and sisters, we don't pray because we don't think that God really hear us. I haven't prayed for a while, you know, Mike. Man, if I was busy, prayers. No, 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 no. If you knew it was a friend you're talking to, you just go and talk. I like to preach the basic, simple things, brothers and sisters, because I believe this is where we struggle at the most. Having a proper relationship with God starts with realizing or reminding ourselves, I know we've all, most of us have all given our lives to him, reminding ourselves what Christ has done for us before we were ever interested in him. Amen? If you want to stand with me as we close in prayer. My appeal is going to be you pray what you desire Jesus to do in your life. That's my appeal to you. That's my appeal. Don't let these words fall on deaf ears, especially the, young, the younger ones in the congregation. Don't let these words fall on deaf ears. It's no joke. The devil wants your life. 
If I had more time, I could tell you so much more things. But I don't want to use fear to motivate you. Yes, we have to speak on reality. But the love of God is good enough. If he loves you, respond. If he loves you, respond. And this is your opportunity now to pray to him in a sincere way that you've probably never done before. So let us pray. Father in heaven, it's not easy preaching your word. So Father, make sense of what I've said. Make it applicable to each and every heart. Especially the younger minds. They, are, they don't see that they're the lifeblood of this movement. And that's why our church is dying. Because we're hemorrhaging young people. Which is the blood of a movement. The older ones can only do what they can do. You don't call them to be uh, as, 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 as zealous because of age. You call the life of the church, the young ones with the creativity, the strength and the power to do many things. But Father, all of these talents are nothing without Christ. And Satan wants us too. He wants our talent used for his kingdom. He wants our energies used for him. And I pray that your spirit really, really has touched their hearts. That as I'm praying, they're praying sincerely to you for something to change in their lives. That they've been moved to realise that what that conviction was in their heart was God speaking to them. And to take note of your voice. And for the rest of us, Father, I pray as this church, I've seen it has grown since the last time I came. Please help them and strengthen them. Every church has challenges because Satan hates us. So I'm not going to say that, we, it doesn't matter whether we're perfect or not. The issue is how do we resolve those challenges? Because the fact that this church has grown means that you are still working in an imperfect people. Hallelujah, Lord. That you choose to work in imperfect vessels. But that's the journey, Father. But Father, please continue to be with this congregation. Be very individual. And I pray that this word has touched our hearts to make decisions for you. Whatever that may be, whatever sins need to be confessed, whatever resolutions need to be made, whatever reconciliations with others, whatever needs to be done, to put a smile on your face, let it be done. But most importantly, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your long-suffering and your kindness. Move our hearts, Father, to move for you. It's not a waste of investment that you died for me. And I pray we can say the same in confidence, that it's not a waste of investment. So Father in heaven, we thank you for forgiving, we thank you for cleansing, we thank you for rejuvenating, we thank you for motivating and reviving. Keep these positive words on our mind, that if God be for us, who can be against us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.